Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4, 23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the types of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. As we've been uh, leading into this story of, of the, what it means to be a neighbor, we're going off of this, this call, this command that God gave to each and every one of us to first love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second command is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean for us to fully love our neighbors as ourselves? Well, this, uh, this last week, we had the challenge of, of meeting a new neighbor and even asking for them to help us in some way, to humble ourselves, to say, hey, we, we together are, are better as a community than we are apart. So can you help me in this effort? And uh, I don't know, many of you uh, went door to door and uh, took a bag with you. If, you. if you didn't have an opportunity to do that or weren't here with us last week, uh, there are more bags out there. Uh, and as you can see, tons of bags have come in and just this beautiful effort for our, from our whole community to bring uh, food products in that, that will be distributed through Society of St. Stephen. But you, were, you had an opportunity to, to take a bag and take it to your neighbor's house. And to introduce yourself to your neighbor and maybe a neighbor that you didn't know before. Well, we are, uh, we're pretty new around our neighborhood. Uh, we moved there in April of this last year. And so uh, it's, been, it's been a process of getting to know our neighbors. Well, my, uh, my daughter took and ran with this, this call to, uh, to introduce yourself to your neighbors and to, uh, to drop off these bags. And so my, uh, my oldest daughter, Kate, uh, who's 11... She, uh, we said, you know, take, take four or five bags uh, and, and find, find some neighbors that you don't know very well and deliver those. Well, she took 15 bags uh, home that day. <clears throat> and by the time I got home, she had delivered all 15 bags uh, all across uh, our, our block, all across our neighborhood. And, uh, and so she came back telling all sorts of stories. Uh, this, this girl has absolutely no fear. No fear of, of what might come up uh, to, to each door. Uh, it, it, she doesn't know what she doesn't know, right? Maybe there's something to that faith like a child thing that Jesus talks about. In fact, one of the, one of the doors early on in her, uh, her delivery, uh, she came to the door and knocked and nobody came. And, and so she knocked again and nobody came and she knocked again. And finally she saw somebody kind of shuffling up to the door opened the door uh, with, uh, with no pants on. <clears throat> and you know what? 
Didn't even phase her. She just started talking about Society of St. Stephen's. <clears throat> and she had learned all about Society of St. Stephen's because she was involved in that, that mission madness that you heard about. She got to go over to society and, and learn all the different things that society does. And so she was able to tell and communicate all of the things. And, and uh, if that was me, I would, I would have been terrified to go to the next door. But she just kept right along. She, did, she delivered to all of the houses on our block except for one. There was one house that in our conversation about being a neighbor, in our conversation about uh, about the people that we wanted to pursue as, uh, as our neighbors, um, there was one house that, uh, that I really wanted to, to pursue. That we had, as we were talking, I said, you know, I, f- I feel like a, a calling on my heart that, that God is, is leading me to, to meet these neighbors. Uh, we had, when we moved in, we heard uh, all sorts of things about these neighbors. All the good and all the bad, not a whole lot of good, but we heard a lot of, a lot of stories about these neighbors and so that was kind of my, my mission. Um, and so, so Kate left that one for me. She knew that that was the house that I really wanted to, um, to deliver to. And you know, as the, as the week rolled on, I found that there were obstacles to going over to that house. You know, time just kind of got away from me. Life got a little bit busy. And there was one moment where I was, uh, I was about to go over to the house and I had the time to do it. And I got scared. I don't know why, but a fear welled up in me of all of the what ifs. What ifs. I mean, I'm, I'm playing these narratives, these stories that I've heard of these neighbors. And I didn't do it. I have, I have yet to go to that house and deliver a bag. It's on my list for this week. I need you to help, help, me, help keep me accountable to it. But as we, as we dive into, um, into the, this sermon series for this week, I want to look at what are the obstacles to us being a neighbor. For me, I've found that one of, the, one of the greatest obstacles is fear. The fear of the unknown. The fear of, of what could be. The fear of not having enough time to invest in it. The fear of of not being enough, not having the words to say. Jesus speaks a little bit to this, this notion in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1 through verse 9. If you would, stand for the reading of Scripture this morning. And just a, just a real brief background on this text. Uh, this, is, this is the text right before, uh, a, couple, a couple texts right before, uh, the, the parable that we began the sermon series with, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan, where the, the, the person of the law, the expert of the law came and asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Right before this passage, we see that Jesus has, has sent out the, the 12 disciples, and now, he is sending out a second group of disciples, kind of a JV squad, if you will, into, into the ministry. And he tells them this. It says, After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him 
to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And if, if not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So what does this passage, this passage of, of Jesus sending out the 72 disciples into the field, what does this have to do with us being a neighbor there's a couple things that we find in this passage. In verse 2, in verse 2, we see that he tells them, he gives them a, a, the, the purpose of their mission. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Friends, the call to loving our neighbor as yourself is a call to the harvest. There's a centrality of purpose that Jesus gives to his disciples in the midst of this text. In, uh, in organizational development or organizational leadership, uh, they, they call this the, the centrality of purpose, that, that we are moving forward in one singular direction, that there's, there's no, uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about what we are doing in this mission. The call to loving your neighbor is a call to the harvest. It's not about being friendly or helpful. The intention of the command here to love your neighbor as yourself is to save, to seek and save the lost. Don't forget that. The call to love your neighbor as yourself is a call to seek and save the lost. That is our one of the central purposes of us as, a, as followers of Christ. When I was in, uh, in Africa, uh, I had the opportunity to preach at an African service. And, uh, and man, they, those services are like two and a half hours of dancing and jumping and, and shouting. It is, a, it is a joyful, joyful experience. They're, they're sure not beating the Baptist to lunch. Uh, in, in Africa. <clears throat> but I had the opportunity to preach uh, on, on the, one of the passages that it comes right after this in Luke chapter 15, the, the parables of the lost. As we look at the, these three parables back to back, it is central to the purpose of the gospel that we seek and save the lost. You know who they celebrate? In those passages, not all the people sitting in the pews, they celebrate the one lost that comes home. 
They celebrate the one lost that was found. Jesus' central purpose is to seek and to save the lost. We, as Christ's church, have to continue to keep that as a central focus for how we live out our lives. To seek and to save the lost is our central purpose. The second thing that we see in this text, as, as uh, Jesus frames this, this sending out as, a, as a, a call to the harvest, he also says, uh, don't let fear distract you from that call. Do not let fear distract you from that call. Right after he, he, he tells them that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, he says, not go out into the harvest. It's not his first command. In fact, his first command is pray. His first command to them in this passage is to pray. To pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send workers into the field. When we lean into uh, being a neighbor, what it means for us to be a neighbor, we cannot leave out the fact that we are called to be a people of prayer for the lost. That is our number one hustle, is to be in prayer. That's our number one form of evangelism, is to be in prayer for the lost. He tells them, he tells them, I'm going to send you out as sheep among the wolves. Not very comforting there, Jesus. Not very comforting in, the, in, in this, this mission that you're sending me out to. Uh, this imagery would have been very profound for, for the Israelite people. In an agrarian society where uh, shepherd, shepherding is so prevalent, one of the greatest fears of a shepherd is that their, their flock would be eaten by wolves. Do not let fear distract us from the call, the central call to the harvest. Jesus doesn't soften it. He tells it as it is. It's going to be hard. This mission that you're called to is going to be difficult. But you are called first to the lost. Compassion for the lost. I love this, this quote by uh, St. Thomas Aquinas talking about fear. He says, Fear is such a powerful emotion for humans that when we allow it to take us over, it drives compassion right out of our hearts. When we allow the fear of, uh, of, of seeking the lost, <clears throat> we allow the fear of, of what's next or what, what could be, the fear of the unknown, it squeezes out compassion in our hearts. We begin to think and focus only on ourselves and how we might experience that, as opposed to the calling that Christ put on our hearts and in our lives. Fear tries to put us at the center of the issue. We see this uh, with the Israelite people time and time again. As they get all the way up to the edge of the promised land, and they say, I don't know, there's giants in there. 
I don't know if this is really what God's calling me to. And they back away. We see that, that story of Rahab that, that on the second approach, the second time that God has called them into the promised land, they finally get up to the promised land and finally going to go ahead with the call that they've received as Joshua uh, gets sent in. And we see in that, that passage, we see in that passage that it was actually the Israelites who were afraid, or the, the, um, the people of the, of the promised land who were afraid of the Israelites because of the power of their God. You see, fear distorts our understanding of our call. The third thing that we see in this text is that when you have the Spirit, you need nothing else. When you have the Spirit in your, your calling, you need nothing else. I love this. Uh, in verse 4, it says, Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals along with you. We don't know how long this, uh, this mission is that they're being called to. But what we do know is that he calls them to take nothing. Why would he call them to take nothing? I, I know that anytime I, we take a vacation, um, we end up bringing pretty much the whole house. Right? Uh, I, I remember we were going up to Kansas City, and, um, and uh, oftentimes when you travel to somebody else's house, uh, the coffee is not quite what you have at your own house, right? Uh, and that's, that is huge. That is so, so important uh, that you have your coffee, right? And I remember, um, I remember loading up uh, my 30-pound my espresso machine into the back of our car uh, for a week-long trip up to my parents' house, right? Uh, Jesus tells them to take nothing with you in the spaces that you're going, into the calling that you're going into, he tells them to take nothing with you. Why? Why take nothing with you? Because when we take all of our baggage, when we take all of the things that we think that we need, it becomes about us. When we take all the things that we think that we need into this experience, we, we find ourselves not trusting in God, but trusting in our own ability to pack our own ability to, to get the job done, to do the task. We often think that we are not equipped, that we're not enough, that we're not smart enough, that we don't have all the tools in our tool belt to do the job, to answer the call to share our faith. But what Jesus tells his disciples is to go. Take nothing with you. You know Why? Because you just prayed that the Holy Spirit would go with you. And I'll take care of the rest. If we, if we go down a few verses to 17 through 19, we see that the 72 come back from their journey. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. 
Friends, in the call that Christ gave to, to his church, he said, the only thing that you need to answer this call is me. The only thing that you need is me. Um, I have the, the opportunity every Tuesday morning um, to lead a, uh, a group of, of kiddos in, in song and in, in worship. And um, it was a, a privilege that was given to me by Gary. And, uh, and it has become kind of the, the, the highlight of my week. We, uh, we sing a song to the kiddos about fear. About what it means to, uh, to have fear and what it means to, uh, to trust in God. To go do whatever it is that he's called you to do. The song comes from uh, Psalm 56, 11. Or as Gary says, Psalm 56, 1, 1. I think we have that verse up here on the screen. It says, in God I trust. I'm not afraid. For what can man do to me? Church, today is a, a call to to emboldened evangelism, to seek and to save the lost. It is our primary call as followers of Christ, as neighbors. This is the centrality of our purpose, is to seek and to save the lost. And so as we sing this song, uh, I want you to join me. Uh, you're going to be the little kiddos today. And the song goes like this. We have the, the next slide. It goes, I'm not afraid, and I will trust you. I'm not afraid, because you are my God. It's really simple. But it's words that we can say in our heads to remind us of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. In whatever situation, in whatever circumstance. So, I'm going to need you to say... Because you are my God. Emphatically and boldly when we get to that point. Okay? Can you do that? The song goes like this. Can you all hear that? Maybe. You know, the, the preacher, uh, he came to me and told me that I'm supposed to go share my faith to my neighbors and that's kind of terrifying so I was driving home and uh, I got this kind of this I, I drove right past my neighbor's house I knew that that's the house that, that God called me to and, uh, and I got this feeling in my stomach this feeling of anxiety this feeling of fear and then I remembered this verse that I learned at church. It goes Psalm 56, 1, 1. It's Psalm 56, 1, 1. I remember. It's Psalm 56, 1, 1. And it says, I'm not afraid and I will trust him. I'm not afraid. 
Oh, you can do it better than that. I'm not afraid and I will trust him. I'm not afraid because you are my God. I'm not afraid and I will trust him. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not afraid. So I was pulling up to the house because I knew that I was supposed to go in. And uh, the anxiety started to build. Ooh. I mean, what if, what if he comes to the door with no pants on? I don't know what I'll do. What if I don't have the words to say? And then I remembered that verse. Go Psalm 56, 1, 1. It's Psalm 56, 1, 1. I remember. It's Psalm 56, 1, 1. It says, I'm not afraid and I will trust him. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid and I will trust him. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not afraid. Amen. Church, when we have the ultimate God on our side, when we have the God who, who parted the seas, when we have the God who created man from dust, when we have the God who, who sends us, he, he actually uses us. He desires to use and send us. He could have done all that himself. He didn't need the 72 to go out into the world. He could have done that work, but he chose. He chose to, to involve you and me in this mission and in this call. And he sent his spirit to be with us. I'm not afraid and I will trust him. I'm not afraid because he's my God. Because he's greater than anything, any power, any, any uh, force that might come up against us. I'm not afraid. I'll trust him. So I need you to hold me accountable to walking up to my neighbor's house. Regardless of how my neighbor comes to the door. Because that's the call that God's put on my heart. It's the call that God's put on each and every one of your hearts. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we give thanks for the ways in which you move, for the ways in which you call us deeper into fellowship with you. God, we honor you above all things. God, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you give us strength? that as we are sent out into the world, we might answer that call and we might, might pursue you with boldness and trust. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.